Welcome to Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy, joined by Vance currently. That's going to change here soon, but hi, Vance. Hi, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Perfect. I didn't lie to you about what I was doing. That's correct. That's why I didn't dress you as the liar. (laughs) (laughs) So this time you really are riding in the car. Yes, I am. Are you in the back seat with four pugs? No, I am in the uh, front seat, passenger. uh, Riding dirty? Yes, absolutely. Roland Hayton. I'm driving to Maine. Driving to Maine, huh? Mm-hmm. What's in Maine? Uh, Acadia National Park. I want to see that. It's probably not very warm in Maine right now, is it? No. No, it just it sucks the times you, you get to travel because it's always winter months. Okay. And even in, like, you know, warm climate areas... It's still the winter there, so if you were to go there, it'd be like, oh, hey, let's go to Utah for, you know, the five national parks out there. It's snowing. It's freezing cold right now. So <laughs> that's just like how it's <laughs> that's how our travels have, have shaped up. You know, you, you do all those those days in a row, and this is just this is life. And, but we're we're uh, we're blessed to be able to travel. So okay, so. How far into the drive are you? I think I'm outside of that uh, trash town of Boston. Boston. So you've been driving mm-hmm. practically all day. Yeah, I'd say like, you know, New York's a long state to get across. Um, and I- But it's been it's been really nice, like driving conditions, no snow, nothing like that. Um you know, no trees falling on me, things like that. So it's been good. We got, I think we got about mm, four hours left. Okay. So you're getting pretty close. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That's exciting. I'm going to go up to the, ever been there? Really like, you know, what I see in the pictures and stuff. We're going to do a little bit of hiking and then, turn right back around and spend more time in the car than we did uh, at the actual place. That's the story of like my life. So yeah, tends to be why I stay grounded because then I spend less time driving. I usually, you know, you listen to podcasts or something like this, turn this on something like that. But we been doing like audio books. Oh, okay. And uh, non-fictional, like murder things. M- murder, like the John, like the John, like Murder Inc. But I we'll eventually see. be there. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, Murder Creek, and then you know they're right up there with John Wayne Gacy, uh, Ted Bundy. Um, who else is? Who else is a popular? How about how about that that guide service that liked to kill muskies and wear their skins? What what one was that? That was us. Oh, okay. I, my mistake. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Murder. Yeah, we'll we'll have a there'll be a book about that eventually. I can't wait so, to hear it. Oh, it it is gruesome. Let me tell you. I wait till that seventy nine point <laughs> nine hits eight zero. Uh huh. 
and then I go out on a hunt. Heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's okay. The current update right now. So when are you? When you? When are you uh, planning on being back home? Sunday. Oh, so you're up there for a while. Um. Yeah, we're gonna. Our plan was to drive like halfway there today, but I want to get it all the way done today. Um, and that's why you're forcing Lori to drive. Absolutely. Okay. Just one of those times in the trip where you're just like, you start feeling heavy, you know, and you're just like, there's no reason I need to force this. You know, let's just, there's an able body in the car. Oh, no, but you got to take a page out of my book and hit Terminator mode. I should, yeah. <laughs> I should. All right. Uh, I don't. I called Todd. I'm not sure where he's at. That's why I said Vance might be here. Uh, he's the only person besides myself talking uh, on this show, but we will be having a guest joining us here. We're going to get through some of this stuff um, that I just – don't feel it was respectful to uh, have our guests sit through. So uh, there's a chance Todd might be chiming in. If that's the case, we're going to get Todd on board when we do. Uh, but for the time being, it's just Vance and I. So let's hammer through these plugs. Well, maybe we'll take our good old time. Talk about Fat AZ Muskie products. FatAZMuskie.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I have a website, which I've already said what that was. Um. Rod, rod holders. Let's see. Um, if you haven't checked out the new quick attach rail mount, be sure to do that. You can find it on their Facebook and Instagram page. Um, so smooth. It's so smooth. I've I've been. I'm trying to think. I don't even think I have them on the website. People have been asking about them. I've been selling them that way. I have a limited supply. I'm kind of testing the water there. So if you're interested in that, please check out the video and reach out to us, and uh, we can go that route. But when I get tooled up a little bit better, I'll throw them on the website. Baitwise, Muskie Tackle Online. They um, they should have their baits by now. I shipped them out Monday. Today is Thursday. I would expect the box to be there if the mail is on time. Uh should have had them. No, that's been pretty poor. But yeah. uh, aside from that, uh, they're going to have a bunch of baits, and I would imagine he's going to then uh, put you know out of stock to full inventory status on the on the bait. So be on the lookout there if you're looking for some raptors. I am also. Let's see. I have about a third of musky. T- uh, of, not musky of Team Rhino's order, boxed up. I have probably 45% right now down at Todd's getting assembled, and the balance is almost done getting painted up on my end. So my goal is in under two weeks to have that box shipped, and maybe we'll be doing something else that is uh, like I did last year or whatever, the last time I shipped out a... Team Rhino order was guess the weight of the box. Oh yes. So um, we'll we'll do something like that. 
Uh, Vance, just in case you're wondering, I, I forgot about our little contest that we were going to do today, so I don't I don't have audio clips ready to go. Oh, dang it! That's all good. We'll we'll have to just remember remember to do that. But um, the guess the way to the box is a pretty good one. Yes, yes, it is. So from there. You know, yeah, we'll just jump ahead. How's Muddy Creek? Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, MCFishN, as in Nancy, guides.com. Uh, get a hold of us. I'm going to be starting up here end of March, uh, going all the way to the end of November. Um, at Chautauqua Lake, um, I know I got a couple days in April I can do, a couple days in October I can do. Um Todd's booking uh, as well. So uh, if you know when you want to come out, um, please get a hold of us sooner rather than later. Uh, and as the last couple of years uh, have progressed, um, for those people that are last minute and are up at that place and, you know, maybe want to be shown around a little bit, it, it should talk well, like we are offering the uh, five to nine evening charters uh we'd love to have you in 2021 and uh you know i'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting back out on the water which is is very very quick um it's like eight weeks away i, I it's it's coming up so, it is coming up yeah so uh we're excited about that and um ranger boats shout out to them uh for sponsoring muddy creek and uh, the podcast. Uh, my Ranger boat is sold, and I am waiting on my new one uh, with bated breath. I'm very excited about that. Once again, I am boatless, um, and it's somewhat of a nerve-wracking feeling. But I am not too nervous because I know the guys at Vic Sporting Goods are going to take care of me. Um, check them out for service. Check them out for Ranger Boats, Starcrafts, Star Welds, Tritons, uh, a used inventory. Used inventory is flying, uh, I guess, is, is it, if you could imagine, because, um, you know, the, the production from the main companies, it's just not there. So the people are buying used boats. They're just like, okay, I can't get my boat ready for, it won't be here by spring, screw it, give me this one. You know, it's, uh, so those things are, those things are flying too. It's just, it's a, it's a bizarre time for um, supply and demand. Uh, but I, I, I think it's going to trend on, trend upward uh, once things normal out with the, uh, with the virus crap. So, St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. Check them out. Um, give them a fair shake. Uh, of course, we we use them, abuse them. Um, we love the big dogs, um, the extra heavies, the eight and a halfs, and then you know for those trolling Mojo series are are really good. Uh, they have they have lasted way longer than my other rods uh, in trolling, and it's because of those those guides and and things of that nature. So. <clears throat> we're good at muddy creek that's for sure perfect i think you kind of wrapped up all the points i had every i uh, well 
we try to we try to rip through them. Try to rip. We through. have a ton of stuff. We have a ton of stuff that is going on now that we're doing these bi-monthly. Yep. We. I mean, we do, and then I. I and there's fa- just. What's that? There's just so much crap that's going on. I mean, uh, and that's why we're not we're delaying having our our guest on um, for this. Uh, the portion. housekeeping. Um. Yeah. But I think we can just, you know, we can just touch base on uh, what we're doing. We're, well, <clears throat> trying to still, you know, a lot of people have great first quarters, and that's because of um, the show season, if you will. A lot of people in, depend in the fiscal on that. year, the first yeah, quarter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I would say that we're, you know, trying our best to, uh, you know, keep up with what, uh, with what we're what we're used to, and um, there's been some bumps along the road, and um, you know I think we, we can touch base on that if you if you want to, Andy. What what's in the works right now? Well, I I have I got two two more quick things to do. Um, Good. Muskies Inc. Region Three Chapter Challenge. I've kind of did some announcements. I got a much more official flyer now. So I'm just going to read off this flyer and hoping that um, people are going to get interested to come check it out. So it's May 15th and 16th, 2021. Raystown Lake. That's in Huntingdon, Pennsylvania. Pre-register or to pre-register or for more information, please contact. Here's an email address. Get ready. Matt Dixon at l-e-z-z-e-r dot com that is the email uh this tournament is open to region three muskies inc members and they're out of region member guests only so the way that that reads to me is you got to be a member of muskies inc to be in this tournament uh the entry fee is forty dollars top three teams get a cash prize first place uh wins the coveted region three traveling trophy uh there's lodging available. Uh, let's see what else. I'm skimming through some of this stuff. Dinner and a raffle will be on Saturday night, and lunch is provided both days of the tournament. T-shirts for pre-registered entries. So um, there's some there's some information there. Uh, it is hosted by the Nittany Valley Muskie Alliance, Chapter 64 of Muskies, Inc. So be sure if you're uh, getting a little cabin fever and you want to kind of drive to the middle of the state, of Pennsylvania, this would be a great one to attend. Um, the other thing is, if you have some cabin fever, a book that I've been uh, picking away at, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and read, but I, I have been enjoying some of this book. Um, it's the Muskie Slayer's Bible. It's a guide on what not to do. And it's kind of full of nice little stories of, of this, this man's journey. Um, through musky fishing. So I'm not done with it yet, but um, it, it's a nice little piece if you want to kick back for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and just pick away at something. So check that out. All right. Uh, when we were doing the plugs, Todd was calling. So I'm going to pause this and I'm going to get Todd on board. Is that you good with that, Todd? I mean, Vance? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that. All right. All right, I got Todd on the phone now, so Todd, how are you? I'm doing fine. How about you guys? Huh? We're doing Better. all right. We are complete. Yes. Yeah. The three amigos. 
I have a new intro, but I'll have to save it till next time. You are going to yeah, have to save it till next time. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> is it written down? <laughs> What's that? Do you have it written down? Oh, yeah. oh, I, I don't want you to, to, to stutter or, or stumble on it Todd next time. Todd might be in one of those moods. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's right after the Super Bowl. We know what that means. Yeah. Instant. Insta, insta liberal gram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, hey, uh, real quick, did you guys check out that new engine from Mercury? No. Todd, did you see it today? Uh, a 600 horsepower Verado? Yes. Jeez. It's a V12. Yeah. God. Okay, did you I'll see any videos it. of it, Todd? No, no, I saw a picture or something that said they came out with a 600 horsepower. Okay, so this thing is well, crazy. Not that it's ever going to make it on a musk, like a dedicated musky boat, and a lot of yeah. people would have already seen this, so this might be old news to them, but I still think it's it's really neat. The motor itself doesn't turn. It's It's mounted, and it's always straight, but the gear case turns. The lower unit rotates. Interesting. And the rationale behind that is you can do doubles, triples, and quads and not have Mm -hmm. to worry about space because the whole big giant engine block doesn't move. Mm -hmm. I will never be owning a boat that would be enough to put that on. I'm pretty sure of that. Never say never. Yeah, Yeah, that's got to be for those just big center center consoles uh, down in... You know, ocean in the Gulf and Florida and ocean stuff. Ocean stuff, but it's still it's it's really neat because you're you're going to always tend to find the technology starts out there, and mm-hmm. as they start getting better, it could trickle down. So, if it's sitting there and the lower unit is turning, I mean, what what's the difference from an inboard? It's outside the boat. I mean, I mean, just aside from the obvious. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, it's just sitting on the outside now. It's yeah. just it's hanging off the back. The motor is straight. Yeah. It also has a two-speed transmission, and it shifts gears automatically. Mm. Interesting. So, I mean, I just I've seen a couple short videos of it as it came across my feed. It's not like Todd yeah. was saying. I'm. It's not like I'm going to be in line to to bolt it onto the back of my boat. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's still it's interesting because I know that they've made propellers that were like pitch adjusting props when it hits such a certain RPM, a set of clutches move and then the and then the blades get more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And you know you know you never really hear of a like transmission transmission, especially not on an outboard. Yeah, so. I. W- I'd be curious to see what the performance is, you know, when that technology, if it does reach down into the lower, uh, the smaller engines like the 250s, 300s, and 150s and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'd be curious to see how that, that boat handles. Yeah, it would. I mean, it reminds me of those, those like, uh, you know, I think like Ford or something came out with a, a parking assist or even a turning assist car where all four wheels moved um, to make, like, you know, tighter turns and parkings easy. Yeah, Chevy in their trucks for a couple years made something called Quadrasteer. 
and at low speeds, the tires turn the opposite way. But when you got above a certain speed, the tires turn the same way. And so that means like, and like if you turn your car right now, the front goes and then the back kind of like wags the dog to follow. Whereas if the wheels turn the same way, the whole thing parallelly like moves across into the other lane. It never really caught on, but in Uh theory, it made a lot of sense. There was something about uh, if you were high speed on the highway, towing a trailer, having your car move parallel over, had a more stable trailer. So, I mean, but like that was probably in the early 2000s and they went back mm-hmm. to having regular, regular stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's neat to see that. Um, but I don't know, maybe someday it will trickle down, but it also has like a, uh, it has a dual, dual prop counter rotating, like some of the Bravo outdrives. So you definitely don't want to hit anything with that lower unit. Uh-huh. It would be a very expensive fix for the steering and the gear case and two stainless props. You think about how that thing looks, you know, I think we're all accustomed to turning around and seeing the boat, uh, you know, where if it's cable driven or if it's hydraulically uh, driven for steering. Mm-hmm. I wonder where that stuff goes. It's probably all electric. You just got a cable running into it and a fuel line. Like, but I mean a cable, like a data cable. Yeah. But interesting stuff. Yeah. Sounds pretty expensive. Uh, probably. I would, I would yeah. venture to say that <laughs> they're not giving those ones away. Yeah. But I can, I can see a 650 and a 700 coming out. I remember, I don't even know if they're still in business. I thought I heard a rumor where they're not. Seven Marine had like the 700 horse outboards and stuff. Um, it's, it's something we're not going to see where we're at in freshwater, but, um, nonetheless, I guess it's still, this is all coming to me. This is why we sound so unprofessional. It weighs less than a Yamaha 425, which is pretty impressive. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. So all three of us have been diligently working on the baits trying to get these things out, trying to get orders caught up, trying to get some inventory to where we can then comfortably start doing some show colors. And gosh, I mean, like if the musky max was coming up, that's the first weekend in March. And we're like, that'd give me like two weeks right now at this point. Yeah. I mean, even though it's longer than two weeks, we still need a week to pack up and and do all that stuff. But I would be screwed. Yes, one hundred percent. But That's, I mean, we might we might have Team Rhino and MTO might have had to wait longer than. Yeah, yeah that, we would have prioritized true. differently. We would have prioritized differently because we are really kicking out a lot of baits. So I, mm-hmm. I have a question for you guys. What uh, since there are, are no shows, what are we going to do with the show colors? What's I'm going to the keep them all for myself. What, what else would you do? Duh. Well, the idea, you know, the idea is to do something like what we did last year, when if we had uh, show colors left over um, and blanks yeah. left yeah. over, we kind of just ran with that. And we and I sold them all uh, through social media. 
this year it's going to be similar, um, but it's all going to be website driven. Um, these things will be in stock, uh, on the website and say there's X amount of, uh, you know, this color, there's 15, here's where you go to get them. Once it's sold out, it's sold out, they're gone. So it's not going to be anything like that. Any, uh, Mm-hmm. You know, if you want them, you're gonna have to be quick to the draw. That's for sure. Bass draw McGraw. But that's uh, you know, that's just uh, it's the way of the world right now. Uh, yeah. A website can do so much, you know, but the way that you get your stuff out there, you have one platform. And I wish we had another one, but that's the only one we got. Um. And it'll be through social media, and that's how people will hear about it first. Yeah. Yeah, it, it will. But, Todd, how many baits do you think you've assembled this year? Oh, jeez. I don't know. I've spent, you know, it, it's not like just uh, some of the past years just get together and throw throw 100 baits together in a day. I mean, I don't know how long it takes me to do, but... Uh, it should be around I, two and a half minutes apiece. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> everything going, going well. I've spent a lot of days, we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the off days, I get the poor baits and, yeah. Feed the beast. I'm a, I'm a hungry man up here. I need more blanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, you got more blanks coming. Good. Yeah, I think putting that... together some tough sheds. What are we going to do with our tough sheds? We did get another batch of tough sheds in. Andy put some really cool paint on them and uh, saved a few for myself. Because last time I didn't get them. Now I like this that I get to assemble. I make a little blem in one or throw the uh, screw out to the top, then I get to keep it, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a good time to tell you, Todd, you're not assembling anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm really serious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first round of baits I got you about 350, and I want to think there was at least that many on the next round. Yeah. Yep. They're all assembled, and the other round sitting there ready to get up to you. Like I said, it took me much longer than a day. <laughs> yeah. There, there's there a was couple, a lot of baits. I have a couple of days of assembly on each each round, yeah. So today was a poor day, and oh, it was a great day. Why be so pessimistic? Yeah. Poor, yeah. Feel you are. Oh, okay. Poor day. So you, you just you spent your day making raptors. Yeah, listening to the radio and trying to stay warm. Basically, it's been a little chilly. Well, it's winter. That's what happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. So Todd's been slaving away. I've been up here painting my brains out. And Vance, how is the swimmer house? It's uh, completed. It's uh, completely completed, ready to go. Uh, And it's been a bear the entire time. Um, to to get this thing done in the winter months, being outside, uh, all that crap, getting prepped and ready. Um, but my plan is to uh, 
essentially get everything ready so that in March I paint for, you know, four weeks straight and, uh, and get inventory done. And it was just a, it's been a long road to get to where I am right now. Um, The wire underground is terrible. How, How did you get that wire underground? And, and what you mean by wire underground is you had to run uh, a wire, a, you know, essentially a power wire from your circuit breaker box in your basement out to the shed mm-hmm. to feed the electricity needs of the swimmer house. How did you yes. bury that line? And don't tell me you threw it on top of the snow. Pick and shovel. <laughs> Why? I got a question. I'm serious. When I said rent a trencher... Was that not an option? I've never used one. Okay. But I've used my hands. <laughs> so the familiarity so, of tooling was the was correct. the thing. How long did it take you with a pick and shovel to bury this cable? Three days. Oh my gosh. The ground is frozen, right? Yeah. Not when you Very keep pouring so. hot, hot water on it to loosen it up, right, Vance? <laughs> no. <laughs> keep going yeah. in the house for a pitcher of water and dumping it. I thought about it. Yeah, I mean... I'm not going to lie, but y- that was by far the worst thing uh, I've ever done um, in my any, backyard. At any point in time, did, did your... Did you stop and to ask yourself a simple question? And that question being, there's got to be an easier way. I asked a lot of questions. <laughs> I made a lot, a lot of statements too. And, but it's done. So I and, mean, and, it's, and done. it's to code, right? It absolutely 110% is. Excellent. No joke. That is it's what I want to hear. It, it is. Everything is good. Excellent. And, uh, you know, my, the wiring job worked on the inside and because it would really sucked if you, you know, rough, roughed everything in, everything was roughed in and, you know, I had sheets OSB up and, um, you know, I essentially just had to go into that building and then connect, uh, to a GFI. And from there, I, the way that I pigtailed everything Everything should turn on, and uh, it did, and uh, so was happy about that. Um, but like in the interim, when you're doing like big projects like that, and you're doing them alone, uh, you can you try to have a deadline, and it seems like the deadline's always tomorrow. But um, you really like if you just concentrate on one thing at a time, you can get that stuff done uh, reasonable. And when that happens, uh, you know, it gives you peace of mind. So um, while that whole building was done, uh, in the meantime, I picked up some lead off of Andy. I picked up the rest of the harnesses uh, and I, I poured those. Um, and now we have more harnesses and I've been pouring, um, rubber baits to kind of an exact, uh, 
I'm going to pour them to around how I want to paint them. Um, and that's goes, uh, that, that correlates with how I'm going to be holding them. Um, so it all. So you, you have, you have a roadmap already set. You're like, I'm doing it this way and I'm going to make it easier by doing these steps prior. Yes. Now, do you really have a plan or are you just saying you have a plan? When have I ever said I was going to do something and I didn't do it? Hmm. Let me answer your question with another question. When haven't you done it? Answering your question with a question. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious because... Of course I have a plan. For, for, for not having really painted... I have a question. And, Who's on first? <laughs> um, the... I, I just, I almost want to hear... I want to hear your rationale right now because you oh, haven't now. really, gone, haven't through really the... gone through the. You all right, Vance? Well, I had a uh, a malfunction with my uh, phone, which is extremely professional. My, my rationale. Yes, yeah, speakerphone, uh, Vance. Yeah, get get your phone fixed there. You guys got me back now. I'm so sorry about that. Um, <laughs> COVID, COVID. It's okay. Co- COVID, COVID, COVID. Put your mask, your mask on. Put your mask on. Wow, we're getting a great echo. All right, we just got that mess figured out. I apologize for that. Okay, Vance, tell us your plan on painting. Okay, plan on painting. I separated all the harnesses, uh, and I'm going to evenly distribute them uh, to our size and color chart, essentially, that we've been having for, uh, you know, the past 10 years in in the swimmers. Um, so I'm not just aimlessly pouring, uh, you know, 50 tens and that are all in one, one color uh, just to get it done. I'm actually trying to hit a certain number between each size and each color. Um, and from there, uh, I will get our... Okay, so you allocated some colors. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to have X amount for this color, this one, this one, this one, this one. So then you made a comment about how you hold the bait and and what you're going to be doing with the paint. Um, What's the secret trade, like, your your secret plan, I'm going to say, because I'm curious to see if that changes at all. That's why I'm I'm hounding so much on this. Um, You mean, like, how I'm actually going to paint? Like... Yeah, like you're saying, this is oh, my how plan. I hold the bait. So I say I was given uh, twelve bait holders. Okay. Um, now, when you do this all new, uh, you, I kind of have to sit there and look at it actually happening and make sense of it while I'm standing there. Okay, I have this bait bait clipped on this holder. Now I have to make it a perch. What's my first step? From there. Once I blow through that first step, where am I going to set the bait where I can easily pick up where I left off? Say I got 12 of them. I paint the first first one green, second one green, all the way through 12 green, set them, hang them, turn that thing around, green, green, green. Uh, and, you know, essentially where I want to be is 
by the time I paint number 12, I want number one to be dry so I can pick it back up and, uh, and go from there. Um, and I was tinkering around with, with the airbrush and, uh, using some just blems and things like that, uh, to practice getting, uh, you know, fading and getting lines on them. Um, how do you feel you are with your lines? Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm going to be fine. I'm the painting part now is in as, as intimidating, you know, I think the only thing that I'll fight with is the actual paint itself. If anything, not really, uh, that, uh, mental battle where like, I don't want, I don't want this to look like crap. You know, I, I think I'm going to make it look like crap. I lost money. You know, I, I cost us money, things like that. I'm not going to do that in my head anymore because I'm very comfortable in what I've, I've built. So, um, I think that's fine. I think I, like I said, I will fight with that paint. It is very annoying paint. Um, that water-based stuff to, to deal with. And, um, I just hope I catch it in time before it's spiders or clogs or, and things like that. So, um, I'm really like the light at the end of the tunnel is painting. It's going to be really fun to do that. Um, but then I have to assemble it, which sucks. Now, have you squirted any paint or were you just playing around with like water? No, I, I, uh, squirted around with paint, got some colors where I wanted them to be, uh, played with thinners and retarders and things like that. So, uh, and, and use some of our old swimmers, uh, that were from my first attempt at painting them, um, and, and went, and went from there. Got some pressure dialed in with the, with the airbrush and, uh, you know, just practice. What else are you going to do? You just got to jump into it and do it. First, I went with a piece of cardboard. Then I moved on to actually holding the, the swim bait. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm and, look- and here's another, here's another thing. So I looked up, uh, another thing that sucks is with, with how I talked about like allocating these sizes and numbers. The swimmer might be the most annoying thing, uh, that we make from start to finish. Uh, one, the molds are terribly old. Uh, the wire harnesses are horrible to bend and make. Um, there's just, and, and then the lead pouring, it's just all, mm-hmm. it's all tedious, mind numbing garbage. And, uh, tedious, mind numbing garbage. Okay. It's, I mean, it certainly is when, uh, you know, last year when we, we had that jig and I just made one bend, one bend, one bend the whole way through, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's not like it's fun. Here's the other, here's the other kick in the butt. Once they're poured and I really have to hit them good because these molds are failing over, over time. And, um, you pull it out of the mold. It's got to be absolutely perfect at the tail. Um, you need an absolute level surface. You need all that stuff to, to line up. Now you got your bait that you're ready to paint, but you know what you have to do prior to painting is test them. Um, and you can look back on that podcast from 
you know, two, three years ago, whatever it was. when Throwing Andy the and I giant tried. rock or whatever. Uh, anchors, rocks. Yes, the, yeah, the anchor. Everything. To try and break up that frog pond that was incredibly frozen over. It was way <laughs> more uh, frozen than we anticipated, but we got it done. So I have to find a place to test them. Um, wow, and it's, man. Well, I'm, uh, my worst case scenario is I'm gonna have to do a pull somewhere. Yeah, you know, and that, and that'll that'll be just fine. But to I, I, num- had some, I had some lures running in the hot tub, my hot tub the other day. Do you have your hot tub installed yet? No, I do not. I wish I did. You can. That stays warm. It does. Yeah, I need a a bit of length, you know, with with yeah, those things. Yeah. You know, you need to pull them, and just to see what that. You can you can do it like off a of feel, like when when you know that one's not running correctly, you can feel that tail pretty good uh, when you're testing them, and you can really like zip through it. But I mean, we're surrounded by hard water right now, so I mean, like this is it's it's not something you could do in the bathtub. You know, you need some you need a, a little bit of uh, you need some room to do it, and uh, so I'll be I'll be looking into doing that prior to said that that march is going to be all painting assembly done and from there that's pretty much going to be our swimmers for the year because i'm not going to pick up anything until you know todd and i are done on the water again well you got a lot to do we have a lot to do but like i'm right there on on the deadline it's like it was a, it was a, uh, a like a tough task to, of course, you know, all that, all the crap that I had to go to do to do it and uh, go through to do it. But now I feel, now you start seeing some completion things, and that feels good. Puts me at ease. Nice. Very good. So. I'd say that's a pretty good update of where we are AZ wise. Letting mm-hmm. people know, you know, just uh the state of AZ. And with that, I'm going to get our guest on um and I'm going to let him introduce himself. So give me a sec and I'm going to get him on. All right. Uh I got Nick on the phone. Hi Nick. Hey Eddie, how you doing? Good. All right. Um you you got your hand in a lot of different pots, so I'm not going to just come out and introduce like exactly what you do. But right now, kind of give a, a an overview of like who you are and what you're doing right now with all the stuff that you got going on. Sure, my name is Nick Shirk. I'm with uh, my company's AMF Marine and Aluminum Metal Fab. We do some aluminum products for the marine industry, being some swim platforms. We do some custom rocket launchers. Um, some engine brackets, kicker brackets, that sort of a thing. And then we're also Ohio certified aqua traction dealer. That is a, a polyethylene foam product that we've been putting in all sorts of boats from cruisers, fishing boats, um, a lot of charter boats been doing and been staying very busy lately with that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're going to talk more about that here. Um, but first I always like to, uh, 
kind of give like a, a history of like kind of like what you started with in the you know the fishing and the boating world and get all the way worked up to where we're at now. And if memory serves me, you are not really what you'd call yourself a musky fisherman, correct? Never even fished for musky. <laughs> Never even fished. Okay. But I hear you're going to be going. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a trip this year with Vance. And, you know, I met Vance at, at Vix and, um, you know, listened to one of his seminars. And I've been an avid walleye fisherman for many years and did a lot of salmon fishing when I lived out west in Seattle and and uh, figured, man, I've, I've got to get out there and, and get my hands wet doing that kind of uh, fishing experience. So this is going to be a neat perspective uh, because th- there's just a whole lot of, like, shadowed gray areas in, in the I guess the boat setup world of musky fishing that um, kind of talking to you prior to this show kind of opened my eyes to some neat things. But before we get too far down into that, kind of start us in the beginning, like what made you like, I don't know, like start off when you were a kid, give a history of your, 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 your fishing and all that stuff and work us up to where we're at right now. Sure. So I've started at a young age. Um, my dad, I got a brother that's two years older than me. Um, we've been introducing the outdoors from a very young age. Uh, started out, oh, as far as I can remember, just pan fishing for, for crappie and, and walleye and, um, and some of the smaller reservoir lakes around the Cleveland area. Um, got into pheasant hunting and deer hunting, squirrel hunting at a very young age. And uh, I'd say we did that from... Jeez, as early as I could remember, I remember getting a hunting license at, or hunter safety course at the age of eight. Um, was always active in that, and it was just a thing, normal thing that I thought everybody did, pretty much. Um, from there, we went out to Seattle. My my dad's actually, when he was still working, an engineer in the aerospace in, industry, and we moved out to Seattle when I was into, well, I think, seventh grade. And that was a, a whole new perspective with, with out there and out west with salmon fishing. Um, the, the hunting scene and that out there is completely different from the Midwest. Big game hunting was, you know, a week excursion up in the mountains. So obviously we didn't get to, to doing too much of that. We got in, into heavy, into waterfowl fishing, doing a lot of salmon fishing in both the, the Puget Sound, out in the river systems out there. Um, did, did you did fish salmon? Sturgeon. Did you do any salmon fishing in the Great Lakes prior to moving? No. Out? Okay. Nope. nope have you, no, just, have, did you do it after you moved back? Yeah, not as much. I mean, with, with the nature of my business and, and that I didn't move back here until about 15 years ago. So, you know, just with the nature of my business being everything in the summer, it's, I don't get out as much as I'd like to obviously to fish, but it, it was mainly walleye when we came back. Um, the occasional steelhead we'd get into, and that would be more on the lake. Nothing really in the rivers, just because of having to have the certain flows and the days to be able to fish. It was usually too difficult to get out there and, and, and do it when everything was perfect with the conditions. But um, every once in a while, we'd get into uh, some steelhead out in the in the uh in lake erie but not as not as much and and like i said never before until you know we moved back everything out there though with with the salmon fishing was was big out there yeah because i was going to ask about like i i'm not well versed in this but you know like in the steelhead world you know the the west coast people you know kind of 
snub their nose at the at the Great Lakes, you know, put and take fishery of steelhead. And uh, I didn't know like if if there was you know if you knew any of that going on, kind of like oh they don't know what's going, they don't really know what salmon fishing is because look at ours, ours <laughs> are actually out in the ocean. I was just curious like if you saw like a difference in the species, but. Um, Erie isn't really really known for its salmon, at least not anymore. No, and, no. I mean, basically just a steelhead out here, and and really where we're fishing, it, it, they're more out towards your guys' area and a little bit of the deeper water. I mean, when when we're getting into them, unless they're getting into the river system and certain parts of the year where you can get them just staging, coming in into the rivers, but uh, for the most part, we we're going out twenty twenty five you know, 30 miles in some cases to get into that deeper water out of Cleveland and, and, and west of Cleveland, obviously. There's almost none of that going on. So that's why we don't really, or I should say, I don't get into doing too much of that anymore. Yeah. So w- when you're doing it in out west, were you doing it in freshwater or were you going out like in the saltwater? In- oh, yeah, we were in the Puget Sound, which which is just, you know, that's all saltwater. And, you know, we'd be trolling, but it's completely different. It's, it's nothing. It's, it'd be more comparable to, you know, Ontario or, you know, St. Clair up in Lake Michigan, same thing with, you know, know, doing big Dodgers and flashers, trolling that sort of thing. Um, So like you're with whales, like there could be a whale near. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Whales. Um, Sharks. Many times been out there. Not, not so much the sharks because it's the colder water, but, um, oh yeah, there'd be plenty of times that we'd be out and there'd be killer whales out there that we'd see always seals. Um, you know, and in, in, in fact, one of our, our first experiences out there, we used to du- uh, duck hunt out in, uh, the Skagit river, which was a tributary that would dump into the Puget Sound. And we went down the river in a little 12 foot rowboat <laughs> Uh, I think it was like a six horsepower and motor and it's four o'clock in the morning. We're hearing splashing all around thinking it's beavers. We hit our lights on it's pitch black and we're surrounded by seals. <laughs> it was kind of an eerie feeling not, uh, being familiar with that. Never seeing one actually and how, having them how all big? surrounded. How big are these seals? Oh, they're, they're massive. I mean, like flip your boat over so. and eat you kind of massive. Well, that's the thing. We didn't know if they, at that time, you know, we didn't, this was the first year that we moved there. I'd never seen the seal in my life. So we didn't know if it was going to be, they would just be curious or if they were going to purposely knock us over, but let's just say we got to shore and that's, that's where we hunted that day. <laughs> yeah. So like these seals didn't have like red striped balls of balancing them on their nose, like ringling brothers. These are like no, no. real deals. Oh yeah. They were the size of the boat. <laughs> they don't look big on TV. It's deceiving how big these things get. And and what were they doing? Just hanging out, like resting there? Or or were they feeding or doing something? No, no, we were, yeah, they were coming up the rivers and they come up the rivers to feed on salmon. So, yeah, 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 we were just coming right uh, down the river, you know, like I said, pitch black and hearing splashes. We're thinking it's beavers. And sure enough, it it wasn't beavers, it was seals. So, we didn't, you know, like I said, that was the last time we went down the river in that boat. We bought a bigger boat after that. (laughs) <laughs> now, did you shoot any ducks that day? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. The, the reason I asked was because, it was, I mean, heck, I'll just answer. I'll ask a different question. Would they take a duck that hits the water? You got a dead duck. Will a seal come over and eat it? 
I, I wouldn't put it past them. I, th- I think they would. I mean, they'll, they're opportunists. They'll, they'll get whatever they can. I mean, they're up there feeding on those salmon. I don't know if that's really their diet. I've never seen them go after one, but I mean, if something was dead floating on there, they, they might go after it. Hmm. How about, um, have you ever fished in the Columbia river gorge or up in the San Juan islands? Um, never fished up in San Juan. We did some shrimping up there. Um, we would, I'm trying to think we probably went oh, a dozen or so times and, and, uh, would fish for sturgeon on the Columbia river. Neat. That was my next question. While yeah. you were out there, did you, that's where those big sturgeon are coming from where like six people were holding them in the water. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, did you ever partake in, in one of those uh, fishing yeah. experiences? Yeah, we went and did a couple of guided trips um, down on the Columbia and went sturgeon fishing there. We didn't catch any of the monsters like that. We did have a couple that are throwbacks. They, they have a real crazy slot limit. Um, I'm not sure quite what it is now. I'm sure it's still pretty strict, but I'm talking, it was like a four or five inch range that you had to keep a fish um, in that that special slot range. And I believe at the time it was somewhere in the mid 40s, uh, upper 40s to the, the mid to low 50s of a slot fish that you would keep. And they would do that for conservation, obviously, to to keep them big ones in there. But, oh, yeah, there's I've had plenty of friends and, and uh, acquaintances that would catch some of them big ones for sure. And, and they would breach, right? Um, the bigger ones, some of them would. Uh, the ones that we fished and, and caught a handful of times, I'd say only about two or three of them um, actually did. But, um, yeah, they're they're definitely fun to catch. It's, all, it, it's like it's still the United States, but it's like a whole different world over there. It's coming from the Midwest. It is a completely opposite side of the world. <laughs> Interesting. So you got to play around with whales and seals and sturgeons and salmon. And then you, like you were saying, I mean, do you got any other cool stories you want to talk about while in your time out, out West? Well, we, we really got into the duck hunting hard out there. Um, like I said, a lot of the big game hunting was more in the mountains and, and unless you had uh, getting on horseback and, and have a week to get up there, that was kind of the big thing. And the licensing up there was completely different than it is here. You know, you can just go out and buy a, buy a tag and, and go out and hunt for the season. A lot of that stuff you had to get drawn for. Um, so we really got um, our, our uh, teeth cut on doing a lot of the water uh, fowl hunting, in which I, I completely to this day enjoy that the most out of any hunting. It's just there's so much involved with it. I, I kind of compare it to almost being a charter captain. There's, there's just so much pregame work that you have to do with scouting, with ways for setting up decoys, different ways to call them. Every, every scenario is different uh, depending on the day. The weather plays a big part in it too. What might work the one day is not going to work the, the, the same day, even, you know, the following day. So, you know, it was a, a big challenge, and, and being out there, there were so many different species of ducks and, and waterfowl to actually hunt. So we we loved doing a lot of that. Um, as far as the fishing goes out there, it was just phenomenal. I mean, different parts of the year, you could fish from, from a boat from shore for salmon in all the rivers. There's many different species that would run at certain times that were in season. Um, now, those are a blast to catch. I mean, talk about breaching and, and jumping. I mean... 
there'd be plenty of times that you would get hooked up and, and not get the fish in just because of the way they fight. I mean, it's, it's just a battle with them all the time, but out on the sun, you can throw out your crab, crab pots in the morning and uh, go out and troll for salmon and do a little bit of casting and just get all different kinds of species of salmon when they're running. And, and it's, it's just a phenomenal place to, to fish and be in, in the outdoors for sure. Man, makes me want to go out there. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds delicious. Oh yeah. Um now it, it, there always seems the, the the reoccurring topic is it sounds like you really like to shoot waterfowl. And there seems to I just in today's kind of standard it's like at least in the circles I run with, you're going to choose one of two paths if you're going to be a hunter. You're going to be a deer hunter or you're going to be a waterfowl hunter. And it sounds to me, based off of, like you were saying, the tag system out in the West, like the where like big game is, like bears and moose and big game. Not, yeah, deer are big game, but they're nothing to what, what's out West. The barrier of entry for hunting out where you were at was enough to push you to the waterfowl. And that seems to be kind of where you've stuck with the rest of your life is you kind of feel that's true. Um, I would say so. I mean, we, I got out of waterfowl and a little bit when we moved back here, the, the, the difference between the two, not saying that in, in deer hunting out here, there's a lot of work involved with it, but at the end of the day, you can go out to either a public private land, set up a stand and and get a hunt in that's not happening so much with waterfowl at least out here i mean there's a ton of scouting that has to be done and those birds are going to be where those birds want to be so it's different from just getting out in some woods or a field and maybe seeing some deer here and there there's definitely a lot more work that's involved with it i would say in in today I have a little bit more time with, and my daughter's 14 now, so she's she's uh, not as young and with uh, my businesses and that all established a little bit better. I have a little more time to get out, so I definitely still enjoy getting out and, and bow hunting. There's, uh, y- you see so much when you're sitting out in the stand. I mean, this year alone, I've seen hawks come down and, and get squirrels. I've seen 30 turkey come down sitting right up underneath me when I'm sitting in a stand. I mean, you're always seeing something different. The, the difference between the two, I would have to say, is <clears throat> when you're hunting and you're, you're sitting in the stand, you're, you're quiet. There's, you're not really talking with anybody. When you're out there in, a, in you know, duck hunting, you're around with boats, which, you know, I love everything having to do with, with anything in the marine field. So that's always a joy to be able to incorporate the, my passion for boating. Um, it's a, a, a great way to get the young kids out there involved too, because you see so much stuff. You don't have to be quiet. Um, you can cook. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there, you know, there's a, a few more aspects of it that, that it, I it's do a social enjoy. hunting. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you can get out there with a couple of buddies, you can get out there with clients, you can get out there with other friends and family, you know, everybody can get out in a blind and, 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 uh, you know, conversate a little bit and, and yeah, it's a enjoyable time for sure. Yeah. That's what, that's what some of my buddies say. It's social hunting. It's fun. You sit there and you talk and whatever. And 
yeah, there are times in the in the woods I'm like, man, really like to make some noise right now and <laughs> it's kind of boring out here. Yeah. 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 There's some days that just <laughs> suck, but interesting. All right. So you moved back here. And why'd you why'd you move back to Ohio? So we got a big family out here. We were always, you know, born and raised out here. My brother finished college first. He moved back and um at the time I was working out there and finishing up school and I, I said to myself, Well, I think I'm gonna move back too. And it got to the point where my dad was um uh, an engineer on the triple seven for the the Boeing triple seven. And that had already, that program was pretty much was done. And he had the opportunity to come back and um, work on the joint strike fighter, the F 35. So he came back and, and moved back and, and we all actually just came and moved back after that. So that's what brought us back here. And, and uh, it, it's a, a different, it, like I said, being out West, if you're into the outdoors, it's great. I mean, from where we lived, I lived on a lake out there. In 15 minutes, I could be out on the sound fishing. In 45 minutes, I could be up in the mountain skiing. Um, the hiking, the camping, everything outdoors is just fantastic out there. But it is completely different from from growing up in the Midwest. And, and I've been to a lot of places. I've lived in different places. And I, I love Ohio. You know, every time I go on vacation, I like coming back home. It's just... I like the seasons. Um, I, it's just, uh, it's, it's home to me, you know? Okay. And, you know, now you had to grow up. You're an adult and you started AMF or how, how did that get going? Yeah. So I actually started everything in the metal fabrication first out in Seattle. I was, um, in high school and, and, and dating a girl. And I always say it didn't work out with her, but it, but it worked out with her dad. He, he had owned a metal fabrication company. He was a lead project engineer for a company out there called Quijack, which built a lot of boats. There was a, a lot of boat building being done out there with the aluminum boats for both the fishing industry, everything going up to Alaska for commercial fishing, uh, a lot of the fishing game boats, um, police and fire boats, all that stuff was built out there. So he had started his own company and, and needed an extra hand. And at the time I was going to a, a, a college for engineering and uh, just started helping him out here and there on the weekends. And, you know, I've always been very mechanically inclined and working on projects with my dad at a young age and just kind of got into it and, and decided I'd, I'd rather do something in that field than sitting behind a desk all day. So I started working full time with him and, and we were doing a lot of different welding projects and and uh, basically just taught myself how to weld out there and uh, started on aluminum TIG welding and just just developed a passion for fabrication and, and doing stuff in the in the metal field. And, you know, we would build anywhere from 32 to 38 foot cutters at his place. And now um, now these just, boats, were these boats be like considered those aluminum plate boats? Yeah, these are yeah, these were more big putter style boats. A lot of the stuff that you see the fish and game running, um, Coast Guard rescue boats, things of that sort. You know, back then before they started getting into a lot of the inflatables, um, that's what they were. That's that's what they were running, and that's the kind of boats that we were building. Now, so, were they out of aluminum? Feet. Oh yeah, everything aluminum. 
Okay. Yeah, everything quarter-inch plate we'd, we'd do. Some of them would have half-inch plate bottoms. Um, you know, a lot of skiffs, landing crafts, a lot of that kind of stuff. Okay, so you're building, you know, this was, they were built from start to finish. It wasn't like you're getting in the hall and you're just modifying. It is complete builds. Complete builds from plate, yep. So we would do do a lot of those cutter boats, and, um, you know, that's really where I started doing a lot of the marine stuff. Um, we would do a couple different uh, projects for companies that uh, radar mounts and that sort of thing on top of doing the boats. And uh, did that all the way until I, m- I moved back here. Um, you know, I, we would build a lot of small skiffs and river boats. I, I built my own duck hunting boat. Um, started out there with him, and, and he's since passed. And, you know, when I, I got back here, I, I started that boat with him and, and finished it with my dad. So it's uh, kind of one of those boats that's going to be in the, the family for generations, obviously. But, um yeah, you know, when we moved back here, I, I took a little bit of time off to figure out what I really wanted to do. And, and you know, I, I, I missed that. And I worked for a metal fabrication company out here and was um, a foreman there for about 10 years before I, I went out on my own. And that was, oh, geez, 13, 13 years ago now that uh, since I've been on my own doing it. And, you know, we developed our own line of uh, aluminum swim platforms for boats. And uh, it got more out of the boat building stuff. It just wasn't as big out here as it was out west. So, you know, we'll, we'll do some every once in a while. But, yeah, started doing the swim platforms, some engine brackets. We've been doing a lot of that stuff here lately with a lot of these boats conversion, uh, converting from, you know, IOs and inboards to uh, to the outboards now. So we do a lot of the engine brackets and, and swim platforms, like I said. Let's talk about those engine brackets. So someone has a, a boat, let's just say, and I've read articles and stuff on people converting this stuff, but I, I want to spell this out. So you have a boat and you, and you like, you like the hull, but the IO is it's tired or it's kind of in the way, you know, whatever you will. So people will then take out the IO junk, the engine patch up the, the transom, whatever it is, if it's an aluminum or if it's fiberglass, they, they more or less fix the giant hole that's that's the outdrive and make it structurally sound. And then you make brackets that they will hang the engines off of that fasten to the transom. Yeah. Okay. What's the advantage? I mean, so I've seen some of these brackets like two, th- two or three feet long. What's the, what's the big advantage of, of having a motor set back? Do you do those big setbacks? Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple things with them. If we're doing a full conversion, there's plenty of benefits. Number one, you're getting away from that big, you know, in some cases, either a single or a twin, you know, big blocks that are you're running in there. So you're getting rid of the, of the motors themselves. You're getting rid of the outdrives themselves, or if they're inboards, all the gear that runs with them. So the the weight reduction is is phenomenal. The other thing that it does is you're going to get better fuel economy. You're going to get better top end speed you're going to get better performance and the maintenance on outboards in today's day and age is is there's no comparison when you start doing the maintenance and and the cost of the maintenance between an outboard in the in the new outboards opposed to you know a, a big block inboard or an io so that's what you have with those conversions we also do them for a lot of boats that always add an outboard the, the benefits on that is 
it's an extension of your hull, basically. So you're going to get added flotation, especially with um, a boat, say, that was built for a lighter weight two-stroke. And you still, you know, you got a, a 10, 15, 20-year-old, you know, center council or dual council, for instance. Now you're going into these big four-strokes now that, you know, are the, the weight on them. So it makes the, the back end, you know, pretty pretty heavy now. So It squats the back that, end. That, yeah, exactly. So you got that positive flotation. It's going to handle better on under high speeds. It's going to plane out a lot faster because you're getting an extension of the hull, um, you know, and it, it's just with the, the, the further spacing away from the boat, the, the performance, it's, it's almost comparing, you know, a tiller model to a, a model that has, you know, a remote steering. It's just so much more responsive. Mm hmm. So, so we'll do them for just for the big ones, you know, we'll, we'll put, you know, 300s, 350s, 400s, do singles, twins. Um, so they're, they're pretty beefy brackets. We'll do them out of three eighths plate. Um, and, and, and then we'll do in, integrated swim platforms into them too. Guys put their coolers in there for fishing. gives you a little bit more space to, to get in and out of the boat. Also, um, we'll also do them where they're not even running a big, big motor. They're, they're, running a, a sport craft or something and these guys are out on Erie Troll and 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 they want to have something that they can throw on a, a 15 uh, uh, pro kicker on there and be able to put the hours on that trolling motor so we do a lot of different conversions with that where we're just doing an integrated platform that they can put their coolers and gear on and then still be able to throw a pro kicker on there and uh, get that added performance of or not really performance but but the added fuel savings and and wear and tear on their big motors so we we do a lot of those then you would be the guy to come to with uh, we always uh you know kick this topic discussion around with uh, center consoles and how form-fitted they are uh, at the transom area and out here people love their kicker motors um, but with that center console, it has a unique shape on the back. Uh, it's not necessarily an easy 90 degrees where you could just go and hook up a kicker to it. Mm -hmm. are, you the, are you the person that people could come to and you would design something for, you know, say a 23-foot center console to have a little kicker motor on it? Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll build a little integrated bracket right off the side, especially the ones that are running a slop well that, you know, there's no way to even hook one up if you even wanted to. So, yeah, you know, we, we do get a lot of guys that, that do run that off the side. We can run a little dive ladder off of it or, a, you know, a telescopic ladder that goes up underneath, too. So everything's all fully integrated. And I mean, as long as there's the space on the side, we, we can definitely uh, arrange for something to be put on there. I, I find it difficult to trust the transoms. So, like, I have a six-inch jack plate on my boat, and I just look at the added leverage, and I'm like, it's going to rip this transom off my boat. I just know it will. I'm going to hit a wave, and my motor's going to fall off, and I'll have a giant one side of my boat missing. When you space back a 350 or 400, and you're using three-eighths, you know, and you're taking it back 30 inches, is there is there consideration for internal brackets or is it boats are just built that strong? No, yeah, those transoms. I mean, in in most cases, you you know, you're getting into three inches thick on a lot of these boats. So, you know, that's the structural component of it. I mean, when you look at everything else, is that you know, on a lot of these too, that 
are running outboards you know they've got their outdrives and everything all through there so what we'll do is we'll we will back them up on the insides um you know there's there's a lot of bolts too that are holding it up so you know we're putting half inch bolts in in most cases that are going to be supported on there now the three eighths plate is more or less just where that the engine itself is is hooking up to so tops bottoms you know we'll run those out of three eighths place we, we also have you know some quarter inch plate that's involved with it with some gusseting brackets on the inside of it we fully weld inside and out um you know the, the whole bracket itself but as far as a, a, a weight on them you know they'll range anywhere from uh, about 100 to up to 200 250 pounds depending on you know what motors are going on there if they're running you know as high as trips on some of these boats we don't get into doing too many brackets when they're running trips just because their transoms are already set up for that it, it's it's more you know doing a, a single or a twin conversion Okay. But yeah, uh, I mean, as far as the, the these transoms are, pre, you know, plenty strong as long as your transom's not rotted out. But yeah, there's 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 no worry. I mean, you think about when you got your outboard and, and you got that thing tilted all the way up, you, you know, in some cases and you're hitting waves. There's, you know, there's a lot of leverage cantilevering out on, on the back of that boat as it is. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's definitely the most structural strong part of the boat. So. As long as you you got a strong, non-rotted, you know, solid transom, you, you you're fine. A lot of confidence right there. <laughs> I still think mine's going to rip off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you you're dabbling around in in the the marine industry, obviously, and you're you're probably tend to be dealing with the bigger boats on the Great Lakes, and sounds like some saltwater applications. Um, yeah, you know, we do our swim platforms. Those those go worldwide. We'll, we'll ship a couple out overseas every year. And, you know, we do uh, really the majority of our business on our swim platforms are, um, you know, down in Florida. We do a lot of business. Lake of the Ozarks, we do a lot of business. Um, up in, in the Great Lakes, we do a lot of business also. Out in Havasu, we do a lot of the go-fast boats. Um, so anywhere that those, there's that kind of a market, we do a lot of the swim platforms for there. A lot of the, you know, the engine brackets and conversions with the kickers, a lot of that stuff's up here. Okay. Is that one of those things that they drop your, drop the boat off and then you just make it to the boat while it's in front of you or... In, in some cases, but most of the time, no. I mean, all of our swim platforms, they basically give us a photo of the transom. I mean, you tell me what kind of boat it is. I, I, a lot of cases, I know the boat better than the, own, the, the boat owner themselves, the way that their transoms are all set up. And, you know, that's a, a lot, just a, a photo. We'll get some dimensions. We'll, we'll throw it in our CAD system. We'll design up the platform custom built for their exact transom. Um, you know, if their transoms are arched or anything, sometimes they'll we'll ask them for an arch pattern. We'll digitize that out and uh, roll form everything to that shape. Um, as far as some of the stuff that is here local, sometimes they'd rather just drop the boat off. We get pretty busy that we don't even mess with installs. We'll usually just sub that out to some some dealers around here that we, we um, deal with. But, uh, yeah, sometimes they'll bring stuff in, but the majority of it is 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 stuff that's not even in the state of Ohio. So there's no need to bring the boat and come across you know state lines to be able to do that everything can pretty much be done by a couple photos and uh, measurements and specs on the boats neat so that you know if that catches anyone's ear i mean that's definitely be a place to look at do you, do you have a website for that 
Yeah, everything can be at, be seen at amfmarine.com. Excellent. All right. So then somewhat fairly new venture you've been dealing with is this aqua traction, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so I got in with aqua traction about going on our fourth year now. Uh, what aqua traction is, it's a foam decking product that you see kind of started out with a, a lot of the saltwater boats and around the coast. Um, your centers and, and dual councils. Uh, the difference with aqua traction is it's a hundred percent cross-link polyethylene foam. So we kind of cater and like to cater with the, the fishermen and the outdoorsmen. It is a more durable foam compared to anything that's been on the market. They've had the same makeup of the polyethylene foam since they've been in business, which I believe is going close to nine years now. Um, I got involved with them being a consumer myself. Uh, at the time, I had uh, a larger Sea Ray Sundancer that we would keep up here on Lake Erie. And I, when we bought it, it had the snapping carpet. And where our boat was compared to where we live was about an hour and 45 minutes. So we would go and stay out on the boat and kids would be swimming. I've got a dog that would be swimming in the water. Everybody would be coming in, jumping off the front of the boat. The, the, the carpet would get soaking wet and it would stay wet. Um, I, I despise carpet. I hate it. <laughs> and we'd wake up in the morning, I'd walk out and, you know, carpet would still be wet and uh, was just looking for a, a better option, you know, and the, the gentleman that uh, his company that um, would transport my boat at the end of the season, and bring it back to my shop for the, for storing it inside for the winter. He would come by with his hydraulic trailer and, and I was talking to him about it. And he said that I should give these guys aqua traction a call and that he had met him at a Detroit boat show when he was uh, taking some boats up there. So I started at the time, I thought there was only a, another manufacturer out there that was making the stuff. And I, I started doing my own research on it and finding out that there, there's some really good stuff out there. So I ended up talking with aqua traction, the owners, they came out and uh, we sat down and, and discussed what we can do and maybe get some things working over here in the Great Lakes area up here and in, in uh, on Erie. And that was uh, four years ago. And it's it's been a, a pleasure dealing with them since. And uh, we, we stay busy with this whole process now with digitizing these boats, creating a 3D CAD image of their whole floor. We'll do a CAD design with different colors, different patterns that'll suit the customer's needs. Um, there's just so many benefits of it for pleasure boaters for duck hunters and their duck boats for anglers um, you get the the non-slip and like i was saying that the difference between the foam and like everything out there not everything's created at equal there's going to be some things that are better and some things that aren't as good and i can tell you that aqua traction and the polyethylene foam there, there's just nothing on the market that can touch it um you won't find nothing that will stain it. I mean, we've got videos out there that you can go on my, my Facebook. I've, I've just posted a video just the other day of one of the owners of Aqua Traction. We just put a brand new flooring in a Ranger boat. Um, right now we're doing not only the cockpits in the Ranger, but we're, we're doing full conversions with ripping out the carpet, reglassing the hatches, putting this, uh, the, the Aqua Traction even up on the top decks on the hatches. Everything is on its own individual piece, so you don't have to remove anything um, when opening hatches. But we've got grease, oil, motor oil, gear lube. Um, we put walnut wood stain on the product. Everything mm -hmm. comes out of this mustard. 
beet juice, red wine, fish blood. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that we get from, from the anglers. And, and we do this in a ton of charter boats. You know, what they ask us, well, what about fish blood? What's it, what's it going to do if we get fish blood? Or if I go down, you know, on a, on a big cruiser style fishing boat and they come out of the bilge and they've got, you know, grease or oil on their shoes and they get it on the floor. Don't have to worry about any of that. It, it comes right out. I mean, it's, it's just fantastic stuff. You've got the non-slip, the sound dampening when you're fishing skinny water, dropping stuff on the boat, especially some of these aluminum boats. Um, the cleanup on it is just phenomenal. And at the end of the day, when you're out on the water, just the comfort of it, um, you know, it adds that added padding. And, and it's a, a great look to any boat. It'll update any boat. It's just phenomenal stuff. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just t- touching base on what you first said there. I don't know a fisherman that really likes carpet. I think it's it's probably the worst thing on all fishing boats. The carpet it wears, it mats, it stinks when it gets wet, uh, and it's tough to clean and upkeep essentially. Uh, so that's uh, I'm I'm shocked that I don't really know. Like I said, I don't know a fisherman that says, "Hey, I want carpet." Uh, when we first got our Rangers, you know, Todd got the uh, the model uh, 1880 in uh, essentially their offshore style decking. Um, so he didn't have to deal with carpet. Uh, my old boats had, um, didn't have carpeted. Vinyl floor. Carpeted. Vinyl floor. Now it's terrible. Um, love everything about them outside of that carpet. Uh so this product, I'm shocked that it didn't get on, pop on as a boat option. Yeah. Like no one's hopped on, you know, just hopped on this and said, let's put this down instead of carpet. Yeah, there's been, you know, some manufacturers out there and, you know, a lot of guys just think it's for the, the saltwater boats, the center and dual consoles. Um you know, but for instance, we've been with warrior boats for, geez, I think going on three years now, and it's it's not even an option anymore. It's a factory standard in, in all their boats. Um, you know, it's just, you, you mentioned even the vinyl floors. When you start getting into those vinyl floors, and it's cold, and it's wet, that stuff's slippery. You know, there's nothing. You get a little bit of fish slime on there. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. it's, it, there's just no traction to it. Um, we'll go out and we'll fish the fall brawl, you know, all the way into, you know, October, November. And, and it's it's getting cold out there and freezing. And I'm out in a duck boat breaking ice with the stuff. I mean, it, it, it there's just there's no slip in it. You know, I even say to my customers, the wetter, the better, you know, in those cases. But yeah, it's 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 taken a little bit of time, you know, for some of these these fishing com- you know, f- you know, fishing boat manufacturers to kind of hop on board and, you know, you go around any of the, the the East Coast and Gulf Coast, I mean, it's it's in all their boats out there, you know, and yeah, I don't know why it's taken them so long to 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 get rid of this carpet. It's I mean, I I, I can't stand carpet. I, I, yeah, I, I said for and that's why I opted to get the boat that I got because it was the only one I could find at the time with the styles that I was looking and the sizes that you know that I could get that did not have carpet because I've had lots of carpeted boats. But I I I say all the time to people, I don't know who is the person who said let's put carpet in the boat 
that <laughs> makes no sense to me and it still doesn't to this day you know now it's one thing i guess for the guys that you, you go out and fish once every two weeks and you know we just take it in you dry it out well i can't do that we're fishing every day and just as you said it's a mess i mean it, it's wet guys are getting on the boat three days later i'm like oh duh. make sure you put some rain pants on because if you kneel down you're going to get soaked because it rained three days ago and the sun hasn't been out and my carpet is still wet <laughs> i can't get yeah. it dry that's yeah. the part that drives me crazy yeah yeah i mean we're you know, even now we're we're putting it in and and um with the closed cell feature of of the the aqua traction it you can spray it down you can pressure wash it and literally you, you know within 20 minutes of that thing just being in a complete downpour rainstorm, it, it'll be dry, you know, so dry, yeah. Yeah, nothing absorbs to so, it. it. It doesn't so mold. It doesn't it's going in most of those boats. You can just wash it down without a doubt. Yeah, that's, yep. I, I'll tell you, we were on my dad's center council, um, uh, this, uh, summer catching walleye on Lake Erie. And I always, I always bleed my walleye when we're keeping yep. them. So you know, this thing's got everything decked out for, for a big bait well on it, you know, which I, I wish a lot of these center councils and dual councils would start catering to some of these guys up in the Great Lakes and, and not in the saltwater because there's so many features on those boats that we just don't use that we pay for. I mean, I'm using this this big bait well to, to bleed walleyes out, basically, yeah, but yeah, yeah. We, we've got blood all over, the, all over the boat and, you know, just the, just the wash down on that, you can just shoot it right down in it and it it, it's it's gone i mean i actually have to take a brush out and and any kind of blood that got on onto the the parts of the the sides of the hall and that you have to you got to take a brush and, and start on the glass to, to get it yeah. off the glass yep. and it, yep. it clean. Yep. yep just comes straight clean right off the floor i mean not even having to take a brush to it or anything so it's 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 just phenomenal i, I can't say enough about it i don't know why they they don't just rip all this carpet out i mean it's fine we're we're doing it to the boats anyway so <laughs> they, but the, the problem is is these customers you know they're spending all this money on these boats they're paying for the stuff that's in it and then it's just getting ripped out to put our stuff in you know yeah it, it it's interesting because my previous two musky boats i recarpeted both of them and it's not it's not a horrible job if you're halfway handy I never once thought that there was another option. That was the crazy thing and why I'm like, this is a gray area in the musky fishing world and is that there's another option for flooring. Now I've seen people throw like what I call submarine mats, you know, like those mats with all the little holes in them, like little round holes um, or some of that. That foam. you would see at a bar. I That's not a good analogy a for kitchen. me. Uh, you know, something in, if you were washing dish, dishes or a bar back, that's what people are putting in their floors. Yeah, like what what I meant by the submarine mat, and Todd might know these better. They might be a half inch thick rubber, maybe a foot, sixteen inches wide by two foot, and they just have a whole bunch of perfect circle holes through them. I, I they're more in like an industrial setting, like you stand on them. Yeah. And, well, I yeah. see people. And, and I, I know guys that put them in their boat, but I mean, trying to get that. I I've thought about it before in boats that I had, but I was like, oh my gosh. What if you get the stuff in the hole? How do you get the stuff out of this hole? So we, I mean, you wouldn't even be able to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. 
Well, not only that, but that stuff's heavy. I mean, yeah, aqua, aqua traction is the densest foam out there. It's actually 20%, 26% lighter than any of the other competitor EVA foams out there. So, you, you know, this, when you put it in the whole complete boat, I mean, you're not looking at maybe adding 10 pounds onto it and it doesn't absorb any kind of water. So, I mean, you're looking at putting a little mat in, you know, a, a two by two mat, that's probably weighing more than that. And in, in yeah. of, of, of yeah. that where now we're covering a whole boat and, you know, there's, there's nothing to be concerned about as far as, you know, adding weight onto it. And, you know, with some of these little bit bigger boats in the Rangers, it's not going to be that big of a deal, but you start getting into, you know, like a 14 foot duck boat or something and, and you're weighting this thing down and then you've got two, three guys in there. You got guns, you got gear, you got dogs, um, you know, all your decoys. And I'll tell you, that's the biggest thing. I mean, running that thing in my duck boat, you, you should see the abuse that gets thrown onto that thing. You think uh, a charter guy going out, you know, fishing on the water, 200 plus days, 250 plus days, you do one season in a duck boat. I mean, oh, yeah, that would be way more. I mean, like, like, like dog, dog's paws, the, the labs, yeah. the nails aren't digging into it or. No, I got a 92 pound, you know, black lab. He's, yeah. he's on, on the boat. We're, we're breaking ice this year. We're in waders. We've got dirt. We've got mud. We've yeah. got gravel, everything coming in there. I got anywhere from three to six dozen Texas rig decoys with 12 ounce pyramid weights that we're just throwing in there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we, we beat the hell out of it. I mean, you want to know what the best thing is, is when you're moving spots, you're not worried about dropping a $1,200, $2,000 gun on the bottom of that, of, of the boat, because everything's padded, you know? So, you know, it's, and the same thing, it's, it's always somewhere comfortable to sit down, um, you know, but yeah, we, we, we use and abuse it, you know, I mean, when I first got in with Aqua Traction, the way I looked at it was this. I've got a successful marine company that I, I, I'm already in the field. I've got a reput reputation to uphold with my current customers, my client base. And if I'm going to rep something, I didn't need to do this. I enjoy doing it. I love meeting new customers. Um, I love being anything around boats. So it, it awards me the opportunity to do that. But at the end of the day, it's a di direct reflection of my company. So mm -hmm. if I didn't believe in the product, th there'd be no way that I would rep it. Um, you know, there, there's other stuff out there and, and I'm the first one to tell you, there's a lot of junk out there like anything. Um, you know, it's, it's comparing, you know, a Ranger boat maybe to, a, a, a another boat that's not manufactured quite as well. Um, you know, I, I kind of say to my customers, it's, it's a, a Kia versus a Cadillac. Will they both get you to point A from point B? Yeah. But is one going to get you there better? Is one going to last longer? Is one going to be more re reliable without a doubt? And, yeah. um, it, you know, there's just, there's just no comparison. And, and I, I tell my customers, just go out and do your research. There's plenty of stuff online. Uh, all you got to do is get on and, and search Google, look at the difference between polyethylene foam and EVA foam. Um, it outperforms in, in, in every category with heat, abrasion, staining, UV resistance. I mean, there's, there's just no comparison out there. It's, it's, and that's the reason why we cater to so many of the anglers out there, because these are the guys and, and, you know, you, you talk about musky fishing and, and walleye fishing. I mean, I've got charter captains that are boating, you know, 4,000 walleye a year on, on some of these charter boats. They're running two days or, or two trips a day on, in some cases, you know, they're out on the water 10, 11 hours, you know, they're, they're running four to six guys on there. Um, just just the abuse that they put on there and that's just here in lake lake erie you know then you want to get you know we've got a large dealer market too we've got i believe there's 29 
aqua traction dealers around the country now that you know all over, along the east and and gulf coasts um in the interior of the u.s and uh it, you know these guys are pulling seven eight hundred pound fish you know up yeah. on onto this material i mean you, you look at the back of these boats sometimes and it looks like somebody just took a a a 10 gallon you know bag and of uh, blood and just threw it on the back of these boats and and uh two seconds later a fish is in a bag with some ice and and they're washing it down and it looks brand new um it, you know it's it's the only product that's going to hold up to this you know to the the abuse that outdoorsmen are putting on the boats and that's why we're so popular in this market with the you know any kind of fishing outdoor hunting applications very nice. And then, of course, the comfortability of it, um, you know, it's like standing on concrete to going and standing on rubber. We talk about it at the when we uh, we really enjoy the musky show, the musky max that we do, um, because we're actually on a field turf, um, indoor field hockey area. Uh, and we're usually uh, used to standing on concrete with a little piece of um, carpet over it. Uh, so that'll make you last and, you know, help you in the long run with the heels and balls of your feet. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if you're just fishing for the weekend or you're a charter fisherman, you know, it, it's, you're always going to have that, that, that comfort level underneath you um, on a long day. And, and, you know, the other aspect of it too, that really it's, it's really overlooked by a lot of our, our clients. And the reason for it is say, you know the cruiser style boats they're looking for the look they they want something that's going to look nice they want to get away from the carpet but at the end of the day what people really look past is the non-slip feature of it um we had it in a, a charter captain's boat uh, earlier last year a week before we put it in there he had a guy slip and fall bust his head open on his boat and he called me up. He says, how soon are we to get in this? Which we have the fastest lead times too. about even in the heart of the, se- the season, we're about three week turnaround from digitizing the boat, getting approval drawings, getting material and getting installed in your boat. Um, if you're out on the water, last thing you want to do is see somebody get hurt. And, you know, after listening to Vance's um, seminar that he had at Vic's sports center over there you've got all these people in there you've got big gear you've got big hooks last thing you want to see is somebody slip somebody get hurt and just the aspects of being a and knowing that you could have that on your boat is and to have the comfort on there i mean there's there's nothing that can compare to that you know that's the last thing you want to see happening is somebody getting hurt on on the water especially if you're out far even on lake erie i've been out on lake erie you know 20 miles out, 25, 30 miles out, even in some cases. And, you know, I've been out there where it's, um, you know, one foot chop and I've come back in six footers. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's nice having that comfort and it's nice having that safety for sure. Now I got a, I got a question and then we'll kind of wrap this one up. Um, you might not even know. So if someone's looking to price out a, all right, I, my carpet shot, it's, it's, it's whooped. Uh, I like the boat. I don't want to buy a new one. I, you know, whatever, whatever your excuse is, you want to, you want to upgrade the boat you have. What are you looking at? Are you looking at, you know, $10 to $1 or two to one, or is it about equal to have someone put in, you know, aqua traction versus replacement carpet? Yeah. So everything that we do, 
either being a boat replacing carpet or a boat that's just got, you know, glass, you know, like uh, like a, a 2080 or an 1880, we can do it from start to finish. So what we do is digitize the whole complete boat, which is uh, an, an actual machine that scans the boat, creates a 3D CAD image of it. And that's how we know how to cut it where it's going to go. You'll see an approval drawing where all the pieces and parts are going to go, any custom logos, any custom patterns. Everything from start to finish is usually right now about three weeks from start to finish. What we have is it's all based on square footage. So depending, color does not matter, pattern does. And the only reason for that is just the CAD design and the, um, the router time for the CNC router cutting of the actual material. Generally speaking, from a full service installation that we provide with us doing everything from digitizing CAD work and installation, you're going to be anywhere from the $26 range up all the way to the $40 range per square foot, depending on what we're doing. In most cases, with the fishermen that we're dealing with, we're usually around the 30 or so square foot range, and that's for everything. Um, we do give you the option if you want to remove the carpet, you can save a little bit of money. Um, and that definitely helps us in the case with what the Ranger boats are doing. On a lot of the tournament walleye boats, you know, they're not really getting up onto the bow as much. Same, I'm not sure so much with your, your guys doing the muskie. I, I know you guys cast a little bit more than what, what we do when we're walleye fishing. But for the, the majority on the, these tournament walleye style boats, you know, a 620, 621, 622, those style boats at, at Vicks, we're doing just the cockpit areas, and it's just a smooth transition to go right into there. I mean, you're looking at anywhere um, from 1,200 all the way to, you know, 1,800, depending on patterns, doing two colors, two patterns. Um, what we are starting to get into is a lot more of the bass style boats where they're on the whole carpet, you know, retrofit, removed what we'll do is remove the actual hatch covers. We'll glass the sides of the, you know, all, underneath those, they're all unfinished glass. So what we do is actually gel coat the faces of the hatches and the tops of the hatches um, around the, a, a border of them. And then what we'll do is, is digitize everything and then put the aqua traction right on top of that. So those applications do get a little bit more expensive. Now, if you want to do the leg work and remove the hatches and remove the carpet, which is pretty easy on those boats, especially when it's, you know, ratted out and, and rotten out and, you know, it's, it's not too difficult. So yeah, everything's kind of based on square footage, based on the boat and, and the application as far as you want to take it and then how far you want us to take it. So so would you say that you know to do a whole aqua traction boat with with a with a with a guy that's halfway handy you know someone that might have tackled a um you know the some of the easier leg work you know taking off the hatches and all that stuff you're, you're probably still going to be budget wise maybe on the higher end of a professionally done carpet job or do you feel that it's about the same? Yeah, no, we would definitely be a little bit more expensive than what a, what a, a carpet job would be. But at the end of the day, you're getting a, you know, you're getting car- a more fisherman friendly product. Yeah, without a doubt. And you know what? You know, life expectancy on our product right now is about seven to ten years. So you know, and in the case where you got to retrofit it, you pop the pads and we put them, put new pads right back down. Don't even have to scan the boat or digitize the boat again. So. You, there's no way you're getting, you, you know, after two years of carpet and, and if you're fishing heavy on the boat, in some cases, not even a year or you spill, spill one thing, you get some, some oil, you, you know, on it, um, you know, it's ruined. 
you're not going to have any of that with the octatraction. So it's, it's, it might be a little bit higher end up front. And, you know, this is what I say, not only with the fishing boats, but with the cruiser style boats too, with some of these guys, they say, well, I could get snap and carpet for, you know, a couple hundred dollars cheaper, or in some cases half the price. Well, let me know how that carpet looks like in two years. You know, it's, and you call me 10 years later and you still have this aqua traction in your boat and it looks like brand new. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, it's one of these things. It's like, one of my favorite sayings, and, and a guy that you won't know, but Gearman Steve told me this, not everything can be justified by money. And at least kind of exposing this, you know, this, it's still like new to me, the whole subject when Vance says, hey, I was talking to this guy, check some of this stuff out. And, um, you know, th- there's there's a huge amount of benefits to this. Now, is it for everybody? No, I don't think it is. I mean, some people you know, throw down a sheet of plywood and, you know, put a couple drywall screws into their boat and call that a floor. But it's, <laughs> it's neat to at least expose some of these options. And and this is kind of like the time I've always taken personally to, all right, if I'm going to do something to my boat, you do it in the off season. That's because then you have time to do it and do it right and think through and, you know, and, and take your time to do it. So it's kind of a well-timed, you know, meetup how you and Vance met and the whole Vix thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you anyone that's listening to this, they, they can hear, like, the advantages of over carpet. You know, there's still something, like, when you look at a brand-new boat with brand-new carpet, it to me, it's like, wow, that feels, that that's like a cozy feel. You kind of run your hand over it, but you're right. I have in my boat, there's stains and stuff. I don't know where the stains came from. The boat's almost 20 years old, but it's my boat. And you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, there's a huge up, you know, like a huge advantage right from the get go to even consider this. And like you were saying, if something happens, you can pop a panel off because it's, 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 like bonded down with adhesive, you can remove a small section and put another one down and you probably don't have to worry about color fade and matching stuff, right? Never do. No, we, Aquatraction has got the most UV inhibitors in it. So nothing, it, it doesn't fade with the sun. Um, and, and I'll tell you with popping the pads, the only time really that we remove a pad is for, for two reasons. Typically. So so the adhesive that's all impregnated into it, it is a 3M product. It's a 3M PSA, which is a pressure-sensitive adhesive. Same stuff that they've been putting on, like, their DA pads for their sanders for years and years and years. I've been putting the same 3M tape um, on my swim platforms for 20-plus years. Um, you, you know, the, the glue is – there's no other added bonding agent that we have to put on the boat. In some cases, on some of the non-skids, we'll do a Primer 94, which is a 3M uh, pretreatment. But as far as the popping of the pads, only time I've done it is for, say, a charter captain that sold his charter boat. And we had his, uh, his logo on there. And when he sells the boat, we want to pop that pad. And we just put a pad that doesn't have his logo on it. Same thing with a boat name. Um, that's typically the, the only time that I'm, I've ever had to pop a pad since I've been doing it. So that's um, neat. So, so, like, you know, you can get it with Muddy Creek Fishing Guides right on the front deck. 
Oh yeah, we can laser it. We can router it. The 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 sky's the limit. I've had people put their kids' faces in it with the laser. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> yeah. that precise. Yeah, it, you, we can do anything when it comes to that. Um, you know, we teamed up with Vix this year. We're, we're we've done some logos with with Vix. We put the the Ranger logos on some of the boats. Um, not only with uh, Vix, we're we're teaming up with the LEWT and and the Big Water Walleye Championships this year. So you know, there's going to be a lot of Ranger boats that are going to be fishing that and other you know. Um, uh, fishing style boats that are going to be in these tournaments fishing and uh, we're going to be doing some discounts for those guys for those members um, you know once it starts getting out there a little bit more and people like you said realize that hey this is this is an option for my, my style boat not just the, the saltwater style boats out there then you know they're they're definitely going to jump into it once they start seeing it and 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 seeing the performance of it too and the durability of it you know that's the biggest thing these guys keep saying if they go on our facebook page right now um you, you go on facebook and go to amf marines facebook page and look right on there there's uh one of the owners josh from aqua traction we just did a brand new ranger install on there he takes sharpie marker permanent sharpie marker onto it he puts walnut wood stain on it puts a grease gun and just shoots grease on it takes a bottle of motor oil pours motor oil on it lets it sit on there for 15 minutes and you just go take a look at the video and you'll be amazed i've never cleaned anything other than just using dawn dishwashing soap you can use a pressure washer on ours that'll avoid the warranty on any other manufacturers um, just go ahead and, and take a look at that video and 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 look at it yourself. Um, I'd be more than happy to demonstrate any of those chemicals I've poured. Bleach, acetone, diesel, gas, mustard, mustard stains everything, fish blood, beet juice, red wine. It'll all come out of this product. That You won't find nothing that's stained. If it stains it, I'll replace the pad for you. So a lot of these fishermen can't believe, well, what happens when fish blood gets on it? They think that that's, you know, we're grinding midges or mayflies out on Lake Erie. You know, that all comes out of this flooring. Nice. Very nice. So with that, Vance Todd, you got any questions for Nick? Good enough. Perfect. All good, man. All right, Nick, thank you for uh, taking time out of your uh, busy schedule to sit down with us for about an hour or so. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. All right, excellent. All right, with that, big thanks to Fatty Z Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, St. Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, and Vix Marine Sports Center. So, um, all right, Good show, and uh, everyone stay warm. Good luck if you're ice fishing or if there's any other outdoor activities uh, that you're doing, and thanks for listening.